In the following live session recording, Sheila West, Ministry Multiplier with LifeWay Christian Resources, leads a session on Embracing Who You Are, Empowering Others. One of the privileges and challenges of leading is helping wonderfully different personalities live and work in harmony. The listener will learn valuable personality style and spiritual gift insights to help you embrace who you are in light of whose you are. These insights will enhance your ability to empower others as you grasp the value of understanding as you want to be understood, hearing as you want to be heard, and caring as you want to be cared for. Let's join Sheila now. Well, I just welcome all of you this morning, and I am so glad that you're here. This is going to be a fun and fast. I was saying that when I first started doing this for LifeWay, they gave me two and a half hours, and now I get to do it in an hour, so it's going to be kind of a let's go as fast as we can in some places, but I want you to get it. Um, it's really important for us to understand personalities when we're in ministry. Don't you like my back? <laughs> I'll put a star on it. Okay. Sheila, as you start, if you have not filled out an information card for me, I would love for you to do that. You'll get information from our office. I'm sorry I didn't say that. But if you'll just raise your hand, I'll bring it to you as she gets started. Okay, great. Y'all just keep your hands up over there. Now, I know there's grandmothers in here, and you love to tell grandmother stories, but since I'm up here, I'm the one who gets to tell grandmother stories. How's that? I have seven grandchildren, and when we lived in Michigan and they lived in Illinois, we made a point of always going for grandparents' weekend at school. My son's five children were homeschooled, so the only year they got to go to school at that time was kindergarten, and they did that so that they would learn how to behave when their mother was teaching them at home. And when the teacher said something, that's what you were supposed to do. Well, the, when we got to our grandson's, um, grandparents day the teachers told the students she said I want you to tell me what one of your grandparents can do that they do the bestest of anybody in the whole wide world well you can imagine that all these kids have their hands up like this saying teacher call on me teacher call on me teacher call on me and my husband was sitting there and his buttons were busting off his chest because he knew David was going to tell what a great golfer he was or a great fisherman he was or any of those things. Finally, the teacher called on David and, and David said, my Mimi is the bestest cook of leftovers in the whole wide world. <laughs> so my claim to fame is being the bestest cook of leftovers in the whole wide world. And the reason he said that was because I had fixed beef stroganoff and the next day I had heated it up for lunch and he didn't want to eat it. He said, I don't eat leftovers. And his papa told him, your Mimi fixes the best leftovers in the whole wide world. When he ate that warmed up beef stroganoff, he decided that was true and it was still in his mind. Now we laugh about leftovers and we eat them at our house, but we do not want to settle for leftovers in life or in ministry. And I think for part of my life, I was really settling for leftovers because I really never thought much about personalities. Uh, I was a homemaker for 18 years and then my husband decided that we should go into business for ourselves, and he put me out into the marketplace. Well, I get out there and I'm running a company and I have people working for me that are not my children and all of a sudden they're all different and I can't get them to do what I want them to do. And I thought something's the matter with this picture. 
I can't control people. I am here to help people to be everything that God created them to be. And how do I do that? That's when I became interested in personalities. And I went and was certified in Myers-Briggs, and we're not going to go into Myers-Briggs today, but Myers-Briggs has a lot to do with how we process whether we're introverts or extroverts. And that's how we process. An introvert processes by thinking it through first and then they'll talk about it. An extrovert needs to talk about it to even realize what they're thinking. Do y'all get it? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, then I went to disc profile, which is a lot easier. And I like disc profile because I think it's good. When I have time, I give an assessment that has two cup, two different graphs to it, and one of them tells you how you really feel and who you really think, and the other one is how you want people to perceive you, and that's really, really informative. But I realize the difference in being able to see what personalities do as far as being able to work with people, to be able to empower people, to be able to help people take their abilities and put them in the right place and to find places that they were more satisfied in work. I really saw the difference in my home. I wished I'd have gotten it sooner. I think I would have been a better mother if I had understood it at a younger age. You know, if you have a child who's a beaver, for example, you put them on the bed and time out, they say, yay, <laughs> you're going to leave me alone. I don't have to talk to anybody for a while. You put somebody who's an otter on a bed for 30 minutes and they're going absolutely crazy. That's probably really a good way to make them get aside. But temperaments are the way that we are wired, regardless of what gender that we are. It is what makes us tick. It's the outward expression of that temperament that is on us on the inside. Now, the, I want to do something. Everyone that is a lion, I want you to come to this corner. If you are an otter, I want you to go to this corner. Well, pick one. Pick one. If you're a beaver, I want you to go to this corner. I mean, a golden retriever that corner, and beavers over here in this corner. Go to golden retriever. Golden retriever is over here. Now I want to show y'all something that's really strange. Y'all are what if your line is flat? What if your line is flat? <laughs> Look at Pick my line. One. Pick one. Okay. Pick one. All right, tell me where they were. Okay, this is lions, this is otters, this is golden retrievers, and this is beavers. You can tell the loudest corner is otters already, even though there's more people. Now, I want you to stop because visuals are really good for us, and I want you to see. Look at how many golden retrievers there are. And that's very consistent with the range of personalities in general and the, in, the, uh, in the population. I want you to look at how many lions there are over here. Very unusual unless you're at a leadership conference. Very unusual. Only 3% of the population are lions. And yet, look at how many we have here. And that's because when you're at a leadership conference, you're going to get more people who have are, are leaders and will take charge and make things happen. But we're all different 
in our personalities, but we're all fearfully and wonderfully made and God made us exactly the way we are. He made us for a purpose and that purpose is to take our personalities and our spiritual gifts and to be part of the body that does the mission that he has for us here. Now that did two things. It got you up, it got you some energy going and now you can go sit back down. You know, personalities help us to have the discernment on how that we can empower other people and also be able to learn um, about ourselves. Stephen Covey said, each of us tends to think we see things as they are, <laughs> that we are objective, but this is not the case. We see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to see it. Now is this room, how many people think this room's hot? Anybody think the room's hot? Nobody did that. They call her messing my point up. Come on. Okay, I was going to say how many think it's just right. Y'all are the best crowd I've ever seen. <laughs> but normally I'm going to get hands that say hot and I'm going to say hands that are cold. And then if you do what I, you're supposed to do to help me out here, I'm going to say which is right and which is wrong. Neither one. It's a perception of what it is. So our personalities are not right or wrong. It's the perception of who we are. They're part of how God created us to be. They significantly influence how we live. Our basic traits are unique gifts from God that he wants to use. Knowing God's design of our temperaments should remove the need for us to apologize at any time for who we are. It produces more patience towards other people and who they are and should help our tendency not to try to change people but rather to embrace who they are and help them to become all that they're supposed to be. Now actually understanding our personality is understanding our our uniqueness. It's understanding that person that God created us to be. Now who's who in this whole thing? Let's do a little bit of overview of this. We have the lion, we have the otter, we have the beaver, and we have the golden retriever. And this little chart is absolutely wonderful to be able, for you to be able to meet people and to be working with people and to have some idea as we go through it of how to help them to become what they should be, to embrace them, to understand why they're doing what they do. Now, if you notice, there's two things. There's outgoing and there's reserved. You notice I do not have introvert and extrovert because you can be an extrovert uh, and yet you are not, you can and process externally. But in certain circumstances or because of your um, upbringing or the way that you've lived, which influences your personality, you can have an otter who is really outgoing, but they can have grown up in a home where they were kind of put down for doing that. So they will become more reserved. So I use the word outgoing and I use the word reserved. You see task oriented and you see people oriented. Well, lions and beavers are task oriented. If they have to choose between people and task, they're going to do task. Otters and uh, golden retrieval are people oriented. If they have to choose between doing a task 
and people, they become them real selves when they can be with people. Now, if you look at the lion and the otter, they're both outgoing. The beaver and the golden retriever are more reserved. Now, if you look at the lion, he is task-oriented and he is outgoing. The otter is outgoing and people-oriented. Both of them can be outgoing, but in different ways. That lion's going to take charge of things and start barking some orders and saying, this is what we need to do. That otter's going to say, let's go have fun. We're going to do a good time of this, you know? And then you have the beaver, who is task-oriented but reserved. But on the other side, you have the golden retriever, who is people-oriented but reserved. And how can that be? How can you be people-oriented but reserved? Some of you golden retrievers know that you really like people, but that you're going to be standing in the background. You'll do anything in the world. A golden retriever will do anything in the world to support you and make it happen. But they're not proactive. They're not going to be going and saying, let's do this, let's do this, the way that an otter is going to do it and to try and influence. Now, when we come to personalities, if you think about the task-oriented people, they enjoy sinking their teeth into a project. They may enjoy focusing on getting a specific task done, and when all their tasks are done for the day, they feel really good. But don't make me attend to too many details. Their alone time can energize them. A people-oriented person is more interested in relationships. My pastor is that way. He is the most relationship person I've ever seen, and he's one of the greatest shepherds in a pastor that I have ever seen. If you're more outgoing or more reserved, an outgoing person is going to walk in the room and start talking to everybody that they see. They're going to introduce themselves. They're going to get mixed into the crowd. A reserved person is going to maybe stand a little bit back and wait for someone to introduce themselves to them. They're not going to go out as much. They're not going to put themselves out there. They, especially if it's unfamiliar circumstances. So if you look at the different personality styles and the way that they function, how do they apply to what we're doing in ministry? Am I talking a mile a minute? No. I talk too fast. Tell me to slow down. I know how much I want to cover. <laughs> and I'm go I may go too fast. Personality styles influence the way that we lead and how we lead a person. Um, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we could walk in them. And the way that he has created us has prepared us for the way that we are going to be able to lead other people. Personality styles can be that we will influence people or that we can see a vision. Some people lead by vision. Some people lead by influence. Personality styles also influence the way that we serve. Individuals, we are one piece of the puzzle of life. We each have a piece of the puzzle that we put together. Together we are the picture of God's love and grace serving the world. Hashtag better together. If you're ever around me, you're going to hear that. Say that. Hashtag better together. God has created us to have unity in the body so that we can serve better. And personality styles influence the way that we minister. You never know until you try to reach them how accessible men are. But you must approach each man by the right door and change the word man to woman. So the way that we serve and the way that we minister and the way that we um, 
teach all has something to do with personality. When you go to the scriptures, you see how Jesus changed this. Do you remember when Lazarus died and Jesus waited a while before he ever went? When he got there, Martha came running to him and she said, what? What'd you say? Why'd you wait so long? What did Jesus do? He basically gave her a history lesson because that's how she would best relate. Mary came running and she said exactly the same words according to the scripture that Martha had said. But how did Jesus respond to her? He wept. That's the difference between their personalities. That's the difference between even how Jesus ministered to people exactly where we are. And that's what we want to use personalities for. And that's a really powerful one to me. Um, it influences how we lead because the first thing that we have to do is that we have to know ourselves. And so that Socrates who discovered the personalities. And I want to say this, there's lots of assessments out there. There's lots of things, but they all started, they all go back to the same personality styles that Socrates defined. I think that that says that it takes the test of time. A good leader is going to know themselves. The good, the bad, and the changeable. And that's really important because it strategically shapes the way that you lead. And all personality styles have potential for being good leaders. For instance, the otter may have a tendency to um, lead by influence. They, they don't have this plan, they don't have this vision, so they're gonna lead by influence. But their strength can also become a weakness if they become too enarmored by themselves and think that they're too much the center of things. The lion was going to lead by vision and facts and have knowledge. But on the other side, those strengths can become a weakness when they look overlook people because all they're doing is looking at the facts. A golden retriever and beaver may need to compensate for their, re their reserved uh, personality even their leadership styles are good when they take the traits that they have and surround themselves with the right people that they need to be able to do what they cannot do. Strategically shaping leadership styles comes from intentionally identifying who you are. Now, I do not have time today to go into spiritual gifts, but spiritual gifts are a very big part of person that goes in alignment, and I believe they're in alignment with our personality, but they are for the edification of the church and the building up of the church. Now the chart that you do have in your handout does have the personalities listed down there also. It has some personality traits and ways that people can serve on there. So I have combined them that way, even though we do not have a lot of time to be able to go through those today. But can you see? I'm going to go now through each of the personalities and as we go through the personalities we're going to look at how we reach them and how we teach them and how they can serve and how it's a little bit different. This is so important. When I talk about the question they have to ask, each personality has a specific question. 
They have a word that's important to them. It's important if you have a larger team. And I know some of you from small churches, you have two people on your team, so you can't have all four personalities. But it's really important if you have a team to be able to have different personalities on it because they're going to ask the right question. So the lion is outgoing. Their personal preference is they are task-oriented. They're proactive participants, which means they're going to start things. Their personality style is that they're dominant, decisive, and driving. Their basic needs is to have a challenge, to be in control, 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 <laughs> and make choices for themselves and everyone else too. Their desired environment is to be upbeat, fast, and powerful. Their weaknesses can be that they come across being dictatorial, that they are demanding, that they are aggressive. And that's because often they've got so much on their mind that they sound like that they are blunt because they quickly want to get to the bottom line. They usually don't mince words. They're often aware, unaware that they're being domineering or pushy because they see a vision and they're trying to get to that vision and they're trying to make it happen. And so that's the reason as leaders, we have to be very sensitive to that. They may tend to see people as a tool sometimes to accomplish what they want to do because they're not as people oriented. <laughs> Their greatest fear is being taken advantage of. Their emotional motivator is anger. And that means that when they're taken advantage of, how are they gonna respond? They're gonna respond with anger. Their prevailing question is what? What are we going to do? That's what drives a lion. They're always thinking what needs to be done next? What are we gonna do? What does that look like? Their conflict response is to be aggressive and direct. So whenever there's a confrontation, and there, there may be those in your ministry, there may be that in your home, it may be with your husband, it may be in your workplace, and they come across real aggressively when there's a problem, rather than wanting to sit back and be able to talk about it, that's a lion's natural response. Why is that important for us to understand? Because we don't have to respond back to them the same way they're responding to us. Personality, the percentage of lions in the world are 3%. God knew that this world could not take more than 3% of the lions. They say love covers a multitude of sins, and I think it covers us lions. Uh, and that was the reason it said, when you do what they say, they really love you. When you don't do what you say, they've etched you out. Your history to them, and they're going to move on. Some of the people that we know who were lions were Thomas Edison, Douglas MacArthur, Barbara Walters, and Hillary Clinton. Now, when lions serve, well, lions love to lead, they see the big picture, they bring the what question to the table, they're goal oriented, and they're movers and shakers. When you try to reach them, you must gain their respect. If you aren't well prepared, you will lose them. They don't have time for it. I got shaking heads around here from lions all over the place. Make clear what you have to offer. 
they don't want you to be wishy-washy. They want to know if it's worth their time. So when you're trying to get women into Bible study, when you're working and trying, you're going to have an event and you know it's important for them to be there, these are the important things that we need to know to be able to reach them. And tell them what the purpose is. Tell them what they're going to get out of it, what, how it's going to help them in the rest of their lives. To teach them, you tell them what the material is about. You show them what difference it makes. Look at that what word in there all the time. Show them what the big picture looks like. Make sure they know what to do with it. That's the question that lions are going to want answered. And when you're teaching, you can pick out a lion very, very easily because they're always looking at the next step, the big picture of what the scriptures are trying to tell them and what difference it's going to make. Any questions about lions or any of you lions want to say anything? I'd like to answer. I was busy trying to take notes. I can't keep up with that. Is there any way we can get copies of Well, you've got it in there on I your chart. Here, I, I the chart. This chart here has all these things that I'm, I'm saying now. Oh, okay. It tells exactly what's on there so that you can go home and look at those things. Thank you. Anybody else? I think it's important to know if you are that, then you can work toward being a good dad. And that's exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, God takes who we are and he uses it that way. But to know thine own self and be true, that's the reason I start with that. It's okay to look at yourself. You know, most of us women don't want to be a lion. Men love being lions. But it seems like it's an aggressive thing. But God has us that way. But the difference is, somebody said, the older I get, the more my personality gets alike. I believe that's true. I believe that the more that the Holy Spirit works in our life and he takes those weaknesses and starts de developing them into strengths the least we see them. The more that I realized, when I started out in business, y'all, I was a lion. And I did not respond well to things. Part of it was fear. Part of it was I was afraid I was going to be taken advantage of. Part of it was afraid that the business would go under if I didn't do everything that was right. But after I stopped and looked at myself and who I was, I saw how God wanted me to take those as assets, not as liabilities. And he started changing me and in the ways that I thought and the ways that I used them. Instead of trying to control people, we can still take charge. But it's not a control, it's to empower people. And one of the greatest joys in my life now is to be able to be a catalyst that helps other people become who they want to be. It's not about myself anymore. It's not a negative. Never take your personality, no matter what it is, no matter what words are used. And yes, you're right. You said, thank you for not using stubborn. I try to use words that don't sound too offensive to us because we don't like those. When I get to the otter, I'm going to say one, then y'all going to say, uh-oh, that doesn't sound real good. It's true, but it's how you look at it in context and what you can become because of it. You know, spiritual growth changes us. We transform our minds. So even though we're created this way, even though we may think this way, the more that we fill ourselves with God's word, the more that the Holy Spirit saturates our life and takes control of the way we do things, the more that everything about us becomes an asset and it becomes a reflection of Jesus Christ. Got that? Thank you for bringing that up. 
Okay, now we get the otters. Who was the loudest ones in the room? The otters. The otters were the loudest ones in the room, weren't they? Um, that's because the one word that you can always say about otters is fun. Otters like to have fun, don't they? Right now, if I said, okay, we got to clean up this room, let's pick up the chairs and get this room all cleaned up for them to have Sunday school in the morning, the lions would start barking orders to everyone. The golden retrievers would do exactly what the lions said to The beavers would critique how it was being done and if it was being done right. And the otters would say, let's order pizza and have a party while we're doing it. So that's how the body kind of works together. Uh, their personal preferences, they're, proact they're people oriented and they're proactive participants. They are going to initiate and initiate and initiate. Otters can think of more things to do, but they're usually things that are going to be fun and uh, bring people into it. It's not going to be task-oriented. Their personality style is they're influential, they're inspirational, and they're also impulsive. Who can you think of in the Bible that might have been an otter? Peter. Peter. He was impulsive, wasn't he? But they're inspirational, and they can they can get you to want to buy into anything that they're doing. They're such an asset on your team because when they have a passion for something, it's over the wall what they can accomplish. Their basic need is recognition, approval, and popularity. Now, I want to say to you that some of you that have young children, this is really important to know about your otters because their basic need is if, if you're a teacher and you give them a star, they're going to do anything in the world to get that star, but they want the approval of other people. And sometimes when they get into groups and they start changing their behavior, it's because of who they are. They want the approval. They want to be popular. They want to be included. And understanding that about our children keeps us from looking at them and thinking they're bad. It helps us to be able to understand that the way they process and the choices that they make, why, and be able to counteract those. Their desired environment is fun, friendly, and exciting. Their weaknesses is they can be talkative, permissive, and phony. Now, you don't like that word phony, do you? I don't either, but it's true because they can be like chameleons. Why? Let's go back to the fact that they want to be recognized, they want approval, and they want popularity. And because of that, they're going to try to fit in to wherever they are. It's not that they're trying to be phony. Uh, they just have a chameleon characteristic about them. We can change in order to be part of the group. Can that be good? Can. How can it be good? It can be very welcoming to new people. It can also show that you don't have a lot of judgmental attitude in you and that you can accept and meet people where they are and use that opportunity to be able to show them a difference in a different way. But I really see with our with uh, otters and our children how important it is for us to understand them. My son would talk and talk and talk and talk. Do you ever have any kids that you just get tired of hearing talk? <laughs> you know, I had employees that would come in and they would want to talk for the first 30 minutes of work. You know, I mean, it's good. And there's time to check and wrap them up. 
But I learned that the more that I listened to them, the more that I understood what their needs were. And I understood what they were trying to process. And I understood how I could help them and what they were struggling with. We have to learn to be good listeners, especially when we have otters that are in our house. Their greatest fear is rejection. Go back up here. Recognition, approval, popularity. So why are they permissive and let people get away with things? Because they don't want to be project, reject, they don't want rejection. Why can they not really be true to what they think sometimes? They don't want to be rejected. Am I right, Otters? Yes. Am I making you feel uncomfortable? Is it true? <laughs> don't you want people to understand that about you? Isn't embracing us that way so important to us so that we can really understand it about ourselves? Their emotional motivator is optimism. The glass is always half full. Everything's going to turn out right no matter what. Their prevailing question is who? What was the lion's? What? what? Theirs is who? That is really important to them. Who's going to do it? When they're on the team and you talk about doing something, the otter's going to say, but who's going to do that? If it's something out front, they're probably thinking, I'll do it. <laughs> because they do like to be out front. Their conflict response is actively to negotiate or, po or apologize. Why? They want everybody happy, but they also don't want to be rejected. That's their greatest fear. So anytime that something happens, it's real easy for an otter to take blame for it sometimes when it's not them because they want to make people happy. They don't want to be rejected from a group. And the percentage of otters is 11%. Otters make a real splash when they're born. You usually know when an otter is born into your family because they're always already infectious. And they're master storytellers. You know, they're the ones who tell the story and the fish is here, and then it gets to be here, and then it gets to be. If you want to see the perfect otter storyteller, just get around my husband for a little while. He can tell a story and have everybody engaged in that story. How awesome that is when they learn to use that to share and spread the gospel. Because they're infectious, they're contagious, you want to be around them. You want to hear what they have to say. Now, Ronald Reagan was an otter. Andrew Agassi was an otter. Oprah Winfrey was an otter. And guess what? Muhammad Ali was too. <laughs> that doesn't surprise you, does it? Does anybody have anything they want to say? <coughs> what if you see yourself in two different categories? You're going to. You're, you'll see yourself in a blended personality and at times one will be accentuated at the other. Your personality and who you are is always going to be there, but it does change in the way that we display it as we mature and I still believe that spiritually growing changes the way that we express our personality in so many ways because of the power of the Holy Spirit. There is not a bad personality. There is not, they all fit together to make the body. And any of those strengths can become weaknesses, and any of those weaknesses can become strengths. We just need to remember that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And this isn't about trying to put people into a box. 
It's about being able to see people the way they need to be seen, hear people the way they need to be heard, and understand people the way they need to be understood instead of looking at things from our own perspective. Do you see what I'm saying? It helps us in our ministry not to be able to, uh, to, be able to relate to people exactly where they are. Now, you will change by your environment. Um, I'm a lion beaver, but I'm probably not really a lion. But I, all my life, I had to be more of a lion. I was brought up in a home where I didn't have a father. And at five years old, I was walking the streets of the land of Georgia by myself because mother couldn't afford to pay for babysitters. I had to learn very young to take control and take charge of my life. It wasn't because she was a bad mother. It was just because there wasn't any other option. She had to teach us to take care of herself. When I was homemaker for 18 years, I was an entirely different person as far as the way that I presented myself than I was when my husband put me into a business and told me to run it. And I had to respond differently. But that's the reason I had you think of an environment. When I went home, I wasn't a chameleon, but when I went home, I truly, I have something to say, ladies, no matter what. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest about that. But my husband was gonna make that final decision. Whereas at work, I was the one who had to make that final decision. So as the roles that we take on, and it's really important, in ministry you may be entirely acting. And what I had to learn to do was to see the differences in the way that I was and to blend them together so I wasn't at a tug of war all the time trying to be one person and then being another person. There's strengths and then there's weaknesses that turn into strengths and there's strengths that turn into weaknesses if we don't watch for them. Anybody else? What time are we supposed to be finished, Beverly? Okay. Okay, the otter brings the who question to the table. They are team cheerleaders. They bring a sense of adventure and fun and they are powerful advocate and people influencer. To reach them, get them involved. They want to be involved. Let them know there is fun to be had. Don't let them think that they're just gonna come in and sit down in some pews or in some chairs and have to stay there forever. They've got to know that there's something fun in it. Make clear what you have to offer and let them know who is going to be there. Now, if you wanna get otters there, letting them know who's going to be there. If I go along and I say, hey, listen, why don't you come to Young Wilson's over here and I know you love to do things with her, that's gonna get their attention. Being able to say who and connect them with who's that they're already connected with or someone that they might want to get to know um, is really important. To teach them, provide a friendly atmosphere. Um, I was, was it you, Beverly, that was talking about setting up a room? It's really important to how you set up rooms when you teach and you have events and things because if it looks like it's just ugh, otters are not going to feel comfortable in there. But the way you set it up and the environment and how it looks and if it looks like it's going to be fun. Give them an opportunity to share. I know that there's some of you otters that are sitting out there now that would love to get up and be able to talk and tell everything you know about personalities and let me sit down because you're ready to talk. You want me to give you a couple of minutes to talk? Because <laughs> it feels good to talk, doesn't it? Give them info in small bits and allow feedback. Now, I try to stop every once in a while and say, do y'all have anything to say? 
and y'all are being really, really quiet. But that's because I want to give the opportunity to be able to say something. Normally, you're going to find a mistake in one of my slides. That is not because I don't know it's there. It's because it's going to make the beavers feel really good when they catch it. <laughs> because beavers are critiquers. And they love it when they can make things better. And if they can see something that can help you make it better, then they're going to do it. I'm talking a mile a minute. And for some of you lions, I'm giving too much information. Go on with it, Sheila. Get on to the next one. But for some of the rest of you, you need more information like beavers. And give me statistics that back up what you're saying. Don't you tell me something and not be able to prove it. Inform them who did what and who benefits. The who's are very important to otters. Am I right? Otters? Am I? Okay. You're not talking yet. I don't think I got any otters. And then we got the beavers. The reason I love the animals is if you kind of picture how the animals act out in the wild, it kind of gives us the fun side of what the personality looks like. Now the, uh, the beaver is reserved. Their personal preference is, is task oriented. They're passive participants. Their personal style is they're conscientious, compliant, and correct. They want to do everything that's right. I had a gal that I just put into a Sunday school class and I gave out the new books with all the instructions of what to do. And she was asking me one time right after another, I like to follow rules. So is this what you mean by this? And is this what you mean by this? I mean, she was a beaver to the nth degree and I love her for it. Her uh, basic needs are precise answers excellence and value. They want to know that it's worthwhile. Their desired environment is structured, one that has accuracy and one that has quality. Their weakness is they can be pessimistic, critical, and inflexible. Uh, sometimes they need to warm up their personal people skills because they think so much, you can process so much about how to make things better that sometimes you don't appreciate what's there. Do I have any beavers that'll agree with me on that besides me? Because that's true. Their greatest fear is criticism. Now stop and think about this. And they are. <laughs> and they are critical. Why? Because they want to make sure everything's perfect because they do not want to be criticized and they take very personal everything they are involved in that they are the ones that are going to have the criticism for it. But yet they can be very critical. Now, I say critiquing. Don't y'all like that word better? <laughs> They're really good at critiquing everything and see it as critiquing to make it better. Why? Because they like excellence. They like value. And if you stop and think about personalities, you can understand so much better why people process the way that they do. Because their emotional motivator is fear. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of not doing it the right way. Their prevailing question is why. Their conflict response is that they will passively withdraw. Now, this is really important because if you can hurt a beaver, if you offend them, 
they're going to go away. They're not going to come and say it to you. They're not going to come and complain. They're just going to go away because they will withdraw from the situation. It's so important for our follow-up with our women that when somebody's not around for a while, especially if you understand that they have that they're a beaver, that you go to them and give them the opportunity and invite them to be able to share with you what is going on in their life. And it may not have anything to do with what someone did. It may be their perception of what has happened. But that's why follow-up and not losing track of people is so important. If you've got an otter and if things aren't fun for a while, it's just pouring knowledge into them, you can make changes to be able to reach them. And they do need the why question. I mean, they're chronic two-year-olds. It's why, 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 why. But being able to answer that. was driving down the road one day with a friend of mine who's a beaver. And all of a sudden she looked at me and she said, Sheila, have you ever thought about why it is that a dog will get so upset when you blow in their face that they'll stick their heads out the window of a car and let the wind blow? My first response was, who cares? <laughs> My next thought was, why? Because I've got that beaver in me too, and that inquisitive to know why something happens. The percentage of beavers is 17%. They're natural thinkers, they're cautious in life, they're critical thinkers and they're in, energized by being right, being sure, and things being perfect. Beavers will fight to make sure what is done is done right. They're the ones that will proofread a Xerox copy to see if there is a mistake in it. And they can get paralysis analysis because they stay so focused on making sure that it's done right that enough is never enough. Bill Gates is a beaver. Kevin Costner and Diane Sawyer are all beavers. We all function different and we look at them and their personalities, but if you look in the Bible, you will see all the way through the different personalities and how God used them. The beaver brings the why question to the table and they will take they're great when you have them doing finances at an event if they're handling all the details of events, having to proofread everything that you have that is material so that it goes out and there's no mistakes in it. Beavers are a great asset to ministry. If you want them to serve, bring the why question to the table. They bring it. They do great quality control. They're a critiquer and they're a detail specialist. If you want to reach them, provide information, information, information. They'll take every commentary. They'll take every note at the bottom of the Bible. If we want to give out more information over here, they're going to be reaching for it because they want to get it. They want to make sure that they have everything they use. Give them logistics. Give them history. That's where I'm not a beaver. I'm not a history person. But I do want to know all the details. Engage them by doing quality work and promotions and tell them why it is relevant. You tell them why the scriptures are relevant, they're going to get hooked on them in a hurry. To teach them, be specific. Even explain thoroughly, provide quality resources, facts and more facts. Be prepared to support any statement you make and confidentially answer, confidently answer questions with details. They like details.
Now, our other big group that was over there, don't y'all just love the Golden Retriever? I just love the Golden Retriever. They're people-oriented, they're passive participants, they're steady, they're stable, they're sympathetic, they're one of our greatest assets in ministry, even though that they are passive participants. They're not going to initiate it, but golden retrievers will do what you need them to do. A otter, who is a people person, will be, want to be on the stage. A golden retriever will want to be in the back of the room visiting with someone and seeing someone. Had a gal that was in our church from the time that she was knee-high to the grass, knee-high to a grasshopper. And she, we had a retreat and I asked her what she was doing at the retreat. I'm not coming. Why aren't you coming? Because I don't have anybody to go with. Here she'd been in this church all of her life, but she's passive. She said, I don't have anybody to sit with. I said, you can sit with me, come on, go. Okay, I'll come. Well, when she got there, I said, I need you to do something for me. And she's passive, remember. I said, I want you to look out, and if you see a woman sitting out there by herself, will you go up to her and talk to her so that she will not feel left out or alone? She did that, even though she's passive, because I asked her to do that. She came back to me after a little while. She said, Sheila, I can't sit with you. I said, that's okay. She said, well, I met this lady that I went up and talked to, and she's alone, and we started talking. We've got a lot in common, and I want her to feel like that she's welcome here, so I'm going to sit with her. That's how you can take a passive golden retriever who is not proactive, help them to be proactive and be able to relate to people because they feel the same way. Basic needs are appreciation, security, and approval. A golden retriever does not need a lot of outward recognition, but boy, just a pat on the back saying, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You don't know how much. They need security to make sure that everything is going stable. They just need our approval. Their desired environment is predictable, stable, and harmonious. They cannot stand the fighting and the inroads, and it's really hard in the home. Their weaknesses can be that they're indecisive. Why? Because they want approval. So they want to make sure what they're doing is right. They're indifferent. Why? Because they want to be on everybody's side. So it really doesn't make a difference to me. There are weaker convictions. Why? Because they don't want to assert themselves against everyone else. They want everyone to feel comfortable with everything. Their greatest fear is loss of security. And they don't like change. Their emotional motivator is not emotional. You're, they never really get really angry. They don't usually get really happy. They're just really good. They're another reason that you have to be able to read them and you have to go after them when they do not come because you're not going to know sometimes if they are hurt or if there's something they need unless you approach them. Their prevailing question is how. How do I do that? Now, it's not that they're not smart, but they want to do everything right and they want approval. So they may know how to do something, but they want to do it the way you want them to do it. So taking time to explain to a golden retriever how to do something that seems very simplistic may seem silly to you if you're a lion, but being able to do that to them gives them the confidence they're doing what you want them to do, not what they think should be done, and they're going to get approval. 
their conflict response is passively without emotion. They don't show a lot of emotion. Their percentage of golden retrievers is 69%. You saw that, that we had a lot of golden retrievers. The only reason we had more lions is because this is basically a church leadership type conference. I see it when I do you leads. When I do retreats, those numbers in the churches are going to run just pretty close to what, that's the reason I have people go to the corners so that you can see and visualize what it really looks like. Um, golden retrievers are more emotional, more motivated by being genuinely appreciated than they are anything else that you can do. And if they serve, they bring the how question to the table. They have a servant's heart. They're sensitive to people's needs and they don't like change. If you have a golden retriever who is a husband, do not move the sofa without telling him. He may try to sit down on it. Prepare him for it before you do things. And if you're a golden retriever, you don't want your husband walking in and saying, honey, we're gonna do this, the otter. And you say, but, 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 because you have to process through that. To reach them, be highly relational, express a genuine interest in them, give them time to make decisions, advance notice. That's the reason it's important that you do strategic planning and have your plans out there so golden retrievers can make it fit in with their schedules and it doesn't rock the ships at home because they don't want to rock things. Give them, um, show them how to respond and how to include others. For golden retrievers, they're very, very people-oriented, and they're they are wonderful when it takes meals to people if they're cooked. So many people don't even cook anymore. They'll be at the back of the room taking the tickets if you're doing an event and making everyone that comes feel like that they're welcome. Just don't ask them to do all the financial stuff. Give that to a, a beaver to do. To teach them, help them understand how to apply what you're saying, show them how it impacts others, give time to process, and then take in time to ask questions, give them how to take the next step. Barbara Bush was a golden retriever. Can you picture that? Michael J. Fox is a golden retriever. And guess what, if you're old enough to remember Mr. Rogers, he was too. All personalities are not created equal. Take that in. Why do we have such a hard time getting things started in ministry? Only 14% of the people are proactive. The rest of them are waiting for somebody to lead them or get them to do it. 86% of them are passive. They'll do what you ask them to do, but they're not going to be the ones to initiate it. 80% of the people are people-oriented. They want to spend time with people. Only 20% are task-oriented. Where does our 80-20 rule come in? Because these people are going to be more involved with the people and want to be more involved in the activity than they are in doing the things that make the tasks that make the activities happen. Now, does any of this make sense to you now? Yes. It looks like the main we using the um, week. I reckon we call them weak points. So each one of them, if they can learn from the other one, 
Right, and that's the reason hashtag better together. We're all better together. When you stop and think that Paul was a dictatorial lion, and I loved it because somebody's already said that this morning. Look at Paul before the road to Damascus and Paul after the road to Damascus. He was still the same bold personality, but what he used it for was entirely different. Look at Peter. He was an impetuous otter before the Holy Spirit came upon him. He'd rush in where angels feared to tread. He was still that bold, charismatic leader afterwards, but it had a different focus to it. John was more of a shy golden retriever. And who was it that Jesus said, take my mother and take care of her too, because he knew that he would. And Thomas, what do you think he was? That critical beaver. But they were all part of Jesus's team. They are all part of the history that we have that we can learn from. And we can learn. To me, this is exciting news because it means that no matter what I'm like, no matter how God has made me, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and he's made me to be in his charge to be obedient to him, to follow his plan for my life, not someone else's. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Barrington Bunny or not, but Barrington Bunny was a little bunny that was out into the forest and he lived in the north and there was a lot of snow that was on the ground and wintertime came and it was time for Christmas. And Barrington Bunny was hopping all over the forest because none of the other animals were out but he could hop because of his big feet. It was Christmas time and he had no family and nowhere to spend it. So he started hopping around the forest and he hopped over to the tree where the squirrels were and he yelled up to him, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Squirrel, Merry Christmas to you. And they said, Merry Christmas, Barrington. You could come up here if you could be able to climb the tree and we're so sorry that you can't, but we hope that you have a Merry Christmas. He hopped on off and he went past that and he went by the beaver that was out in the pond and he said, Merry Christmas, Mr. Beaver. And Mr. Beaver said, Merry Christmas, Barrington. He said, I would love to have you come for Christmas dinner, but you can't swim and you can't come out to where I am. Barrington hopped off and he was a little bit sad and distracted and thinking he did not have anyone. And then he went by and there was a little mouse hole and he yelled down in the mouse hole and he said, Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Mouth, Merry Christmas. And they said, Merry Christmas, Barrington. Merry Christmas. Oh, if you were just a little bit smaller, you could come down in the hole and spend Christmas dinner with us. <laughs> well, Barrington hopped off and he was feeling really sorry for himself. And Mr. Gray Wolf came along and he told Mr. Gray Wolf, he said, why do you look so down, Barrington? And he says, because it's Christmas time and I don't have any family and I don't have anyone to spend it with. And he said, they are, the trees can, the squirrels can climb the tree, the beaver can swim and go out into the water, the mice are small and they can go down into a hole and who am I? And Mr. Gray Wolf said, you're Barrington and you have great big feet and you can hop all over this snow and have stability as you go. And they're still part of your family. Well, the next morning, the forest was kind of quiet and there had been a really bad storm during the night. But before the storm, Barrington Bunny had gone over and he had gotten some acorns 
and he had taken them to the bottom of the tree and put them there. And there was a note on him. He said, Merry Christmas. This is a gift of love freely given, no strings attached. Then he went over towards the, the stream and he got some twigs and stuff together and he put them beside the, the water and he left a note. Merry Christmas. This is a gift of love freely given, no strings attached from a member of your family. About that time, the forest erupted with everybody just yelling because one of the little mice had gotten out of the hole over the night and they could not find him. And everyone was trying to find this little mouse. They looked over after they had looked everywhere and there was this big hump of snow that was on the ground. When they got over to it and they started taking some of that snow off, this little mouse came crawling out from underneath a lump that was on the ground. It was Barrington Bunny. He had given his life, freely given, no strings attached for a member of his family by covering that little mouse up. Now that's a book and I just take it and modify it so much. But to me, it tells that we are to give our lives freely given, no strings attached with the gifts that God has given us, our spiritual gifts that we are to give our lives freely given, not feeling sorry for ourselves for what we don't have, but thanking God for what we do have, freely given, no strings attached for the members of our family. And when we do that, we get what Paul calls the unity of the body. Understanding personalities is just a tool to be able to do to do what God has called us to do, and that's to reach people where they are and not try to make them like us. Now, I hope that I have just given you a little bit of interest in personalities and how it impacts your ministry. How it's gonna impact your home. One day this lady came up to me after I'd done a retreat and she gone home and come back the next day and she said, you know what you did? She said, I have an 18 year old daughter. I went home last night and I asked her to forgive me. She says, because she's a golden retriever and I'm a lion. And she said, all of her life, I have tried to make her exactly like me. She said, I asked her to forgive me and told her why. She said she went in her room and she came back out later and she had been crying. And she said, she looked at me, she says, Mom, it's really okay, not just me. Just understanding that God had made her differently. Another lady told me one day that she had come to a conference and when she realized that her husband was just different than she was. She says, we've been married a lot of years. And this morning on the way to the airport, when he took me to the airport, I thought, why don't you do this? And why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? Can't all these years, you haven't changed a bit. <laughs> and she said, I was just thinking, I can't live with this anymore. And she said, I came in here. And after we did the personalities and I started seeing how God had given me certain abilities to bring to our family and he'd given him certain abilities to bring to the family. I realized God did not want me to see him the way that I was wanting to see him, but the way that he needed to be seen. And I needed to hear him the way that he needed to be heard. I needed to love him the way that he needs to be loved. You know, it's just about what God has called us to do. He's looked on the fields with compassion. and he's sending forth workers. And those workers are us. And we need to be able to see people the way God created them. Embrace who we are 
and empower others to be who God's called them to be. Father God, you are just the most wonderful God. Thank you. Forgive me for all the times that I've complained about what I didn't have and all the things I still sometimes want to say. I don't like this about me. I wished I was different. I wished I was like so-and-so. But thank you for the conviction that comes so much more quickly when I do that than it used to. Thank you for the ability to get my attention when I start judging people and looking at them differently or getting frustrated with people. And I know that you want me to have patience and long-suffering and kindness. Thank you, Father, that you give us the ability to be able to take charge and make things happen. But when we do it through the fruit of the Spirit, it brings joy and peace and fruitfulness and not disaster or chaos. Help us, Father God, to just be who you've created us to be, filled with the Holy Spirit, letting him live through us and overflow from us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs>